It's time to breathe new life into the social entrepreneur by empowering you to make a living through fulfilling work that will impact lives. You'll make money, but more importantly, you'll make a difference. Welcome to the Change Creator Podcast. It's time to build a business with purpose. Now here's your host, Adam Force. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Change Creator Podcast Show. Uh, hope you're doing well. Um, we have an exciting guest by the name of Nathan Hurst today. Um, he is the founder of a company called Free Up, and they are basically a marketplace connecting business owners with the top 1% of freelancers in various spaces, e-commerce, digital marketing, web development, you name it. But that is not his first business. His first business started in a dorm room and he scaled it to over $25 million. And this is something that he has been successful doing, starting businesses and growing them. And he is going to talk to us today about how to do that without taking outside investment. He's a believer in being green right out of the gate and he's going to talk to us about his ideas and strategies for doing that. Before we get into that conversation, guys, just a reminder, stop by the App Store, check out the latest edition with Swell founder, Sarah Cause. They are combating the plastic pollution problem, and she has built this uh, company up to over $100 million in revenue. Uh, her story is incredible. She shares her strategies of how she built this water bottle company. Uh, up to be such a large dollar value in, I, I can't remember exactly what it is, but just a few years, several years um, of time to do that. Uh, so really exciting insights. And we also brought back our first cover story, Jake Orak. He's been, uh, uh, it's been two years that he's been uh, taking on new challenges and he's going to share with us some of the struggles he's faced and how he overcame them. So also in that edition, issue 17, is that story with Jake Orak and the live interview, guys that has the live audio just scroll to the bottom of the article and you can get that full interview all right um guys stop by the itunes store leave us a review um and keep an eye out we're going to start teasing out some updates because later this year we have our first signature course coming out and we're going to be looking for 50 beta users so keep an eye out the course is going to be awesome we're working with a team of people that are just amazing and we're really excited about it so we're going to have an opportunity to sign up for an early beta tester uh, status all right so let's dive into this interview with nathan i know you're and gonna dig this. it off here we go hey nathan thanks for joining the change creator podcast show how are you doing today Hey, Adam. I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing good, man. Doing good. Excited to hear your story. Uh, appreciate you reaching out and um, bringing it to my attention. Um, it looks like you have a lot of interesting uh, backgrounds. So, you know, let's start from the beginning. I know you got a couple ventures we're going to tap into. And um, let's start with, you know, your college days. Like, how, how did you get into your first business? And just tell me a little bit about that, that background for us. Yeah. So, I mean, I started off as a broke college kid. I was just looking for some extra side money and I started buying and selling textbooks. I saw how the bookstore was ripping everyone off. You were paying hundreds of dollars for these books, selling them back for pennies on the dollar. And I thought I could do it better. And I had a little bit of money saved up from working full-time jobs during the summer. Mm -hmm. So I just started buying people's books. And before I knew it, I had lines out the door of people trying to sell me their books to the point where I actually got a cease and desist letter from my college, Quinnipiac, because I was taking up too much of the school's business. <laughs> so, 
from there, I kind of had to run the book business on the down low. And I learned a little bit about Amazon because Amazon was mostly a bookstore back then. This was 2008, 2009. And I, I became addicted to it. I wanted to become an Amazon seller. And, and no one really knew what that meant at the time. People, there, there were no courses, there were no gurus teaching you how to do it. It, it was very new. So I started experimenting and I wanted to sell really cool products like sporting equipment and DVDs and computers. and I just failed over and over and over. The only thing I could sell was books. And eventually I got out of my comfort zone and I started experimenting with baby products and toys. And keep in mind, I was a 20 year old single guy. So what did I know about baby products? <laughs> yeah. But that business exploded and I was running a multi-million dollar baby drop shipping business out of my college dorm room. Wow. It got that big, huh? Yeah, I mean, if you think of big industries, so you've got funeral homes, right? Death is a huge market, it's everyone. But slightly below that, you've got the baby industry. People have kids, most people. Um, you've got home, you've got, ba you've got toys. So those are huge industries, and just by being one of the first people on Amazon to sell in the baby category, I, I had a huge advantage. Moms would pay anything to get products for their kids. Right, right. So you don't think that today, someone listening to this, they're going to say, oh, I got to get into the baby game on Amazon, um, that it would, it, it, the timing was a factor, you believe, in what you were doing. Definitely. And don't get me wrong, you can do it now. I, there are plenty of clients that I work with that um, sell baby products and sell other big products on, on Amazon. Um, it, it just it wasn't, it's not going to be as easy as it was back in the day, because on every listing, it, it was just me and three other people. Also, keeping in mind, it wasn't like I was creating my own products, right? Yeah. So if you're building your own product, building your own brand, it's different. I was drop shipping other people's products. Right, right. And, and you said you had success with books, which is interesting, more than other stuff. So the, the, that was also selling – how did that work? You're selling books from – it's the same thing, other people's like stuff, affiliate basically. Yeah, so I, I was selling, I started off going to, to dumps and, and garage sales and finding books. I had a scanner and I would scan it in and try to find profitable ones, um, buying them for less. But then textbooks is where the money's at, right? Yeah. Textbooks go for hundreds of dollars and I would, I would go in and I would offer people a percentage and then I would actually hold them um, until the, next, the beginning of the next semester where everyone goes to buy books, the, the demand goes up and that's when you sell it at its peak. Um, there's always a risk involved. You never know when a new edition is gonna come out or something like that. Um, but it, it was very profitable and I actually thought by now we would all be on iPads and tablets and, and books would be kind of obsolete, but that didn't exactly happen. Yeah. Wow. That's interesting. So, so I guess what was the growth there that you had with the, you know, you moved from books to the baby stuff and what kind of uh, revenues were you looking at in the first few years? Yeah. So within the first year, I sold over a million dollars on Amazon and the business is booming. It's going crazy. I, I actually scaled it up to um, around five million a year by year two or three. Um, so the business is going great. We're, we're have so much going on, especially with a dropship model. You've got orders and dealing with suppliers and customer service and handling returns and, and tracking and pricing and everything. So I'm totally overwhelmed with work. I'm going through college, trying to get good grades, trying to have a social life. And it became time I had to hire people. I, I didn't really have a choice. So I hired my first employee and it ended up being my business partner, Connor, and we've worked together for over eight years. So I got really lucky with my first hire yeah. and I thought hiring was going to be easy, right? I, this is so great. <laughs> um, and 
I proceeded to make bad hire after bad hire after bad hire. People that cost me time, money, energy, and I became really frustrated with it. And so what I did was I really focused on the hiring process and I wanted to find out why were these hires not working. And I figured out everything from, hey, I need to hire people that need the job more than I need them to getting people that not only have the skills I need, but also the attitude and the passion and the communication skills. Because as a business owner, I don't have time to chase people down for updates and to get stuff done. Right. And so I created this really good hiring process. And eventually I was introduced to the Upworks, the Fibers, the remote hiring platforms of the world. And this was a game changer for me. I thought, this is great. I can get access to talent from all over the world. I'm no longer limited to my town and the towns around me. So I built up this VA army of freelancers from the Philippines, from India, you name it. And what quickly happened was all my time went from expansion, marketing, sales, um, getting new suppliers, to just interviews after interview after interview, trying to find the right person. And I just always wanted there to be a faster way to get talent. And when I couldn't find that, that's when I had the idea for FreeUp, a marketplace where we get hundreds of applicants every week. We vet them using my same hiring process for attitude, skill, and communication, let the top 1% in, and then make them available quickly to clients around the world. Gotcha. Wow, that's an interesting story. So it kind of was a nice segue for you based on the experience you had with the first uh, operation. So um, I guess tell me a little bit, like, why... Why even go through and start this free up business when you have a fruitful uh, dropshipping business with the baby products? Yeah, so here's the thing. Selling on Amazon was so much fun. Year one, two, three, four, it's a blast. You're you're selling products. After a while, to be honest, I lost passion for it. I wanted to help people, not just put money in my bank account. And I was really just helping me, my team, and the suppliers. With free up, I saw an opportunity where I get to help thousands of business owners from all over the world, and we have over the past three years. But I also get to help out the freelancers, people from around the world who are very good at what they do and need someone to bring them clients. And and last year, we paid out over $3 million in freelancers. I mean, $3 million to freelancers. So that, to me, is personally more rewarding. I also saw a huge opportunity of a need that people have and obviously a business opportunity there. And I also preach to people to diversify. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. Selling on Amazon is risky. Your entire Amazon, your entire business is dependent on Amazon who can make changes, who can shut you down. And with FreeUp, I'm able to build my own brand, my own personal brand as well. Well, also helping people, going on podcasts, webinars, speaking at conferences. To me, it was a much bigger opportunity, and it was time at that point. um, I didn't see myself being happy selling on Amazon only for the next 20 years. Right. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. And it's interesting because someone once told me, they're like, and I think it was actually Guy Kawasaki. um, um, I can't remember exactly uh, where I heard it, but they were like, well, listen, maybe, you know, selling dog food or let's say baby products in this case is not your passion. But when you start making millions of dollars doing it, it quickly becomes your passion. (laughs) (laughs) And so in your case, you're kind of proving that wrong, saying, no, I was making good money and I could have kept doing that, but it was not my passion. And you still 
still, you, you, you found uh, the need to have something more meaningful, which I, I, I like to hear, actually. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the other thing to keep in mind is I wasn't selling my own products. I was selling other people's products. So maybe if I had come up with some really cool baby product that I was passionate about or whatever the product was, it would have been different. But at the end of the day, I was just making margin on other people's products. And I didn't really care what the product was as long as I could sell it. So I wasn't actually invested in what I was selling. Right, right. Okay, so so you starting these two businesses now, you have not taken any outside investment. Is that accurate? Yeah, correct. I, I bootstrapped both companies and I've actually written a book about it because bootstrapping is interesting. It takes a, a certain mindset, a certain way to go about it. And we're, we're so we're so used to the shark tanks of the world, right? Everyone watches Shark Tank. I need a $200,000 investment. I have this idea and, and I'm almost thinking the opposite. For, for me, I like the freedom and the ability to make decisions and, and control the business which means that I have to fund it myself and bootstrap it. But I also like businesses that are cash flow positive from the beginning that, that don't take a lot of work to become profitable and that are very scalable using remote freelancers. So I wrote a book called Free Up Your Business all about 50 secrets that I use to bootstrap million dollar companies because it takes that frugal mindset, it takes the right kind of person and it's all about reinvesting back in the company the right way. Yeah, that makes sense. And so I guess what are some of the tips that you have for starting a business without outside investment? Um, I mean, you mentioned like, you know, having something that is profitable right from the beginning, um, you know, that may or may not always be the case for a lot of companies. Obviously, that, that's a beautiful thing when it can be. But so I'd like to hear a little bit about uh, some of the ideas that you share that might be helpful for people. Sure. So the first six months to a year of when you're bootstrapping a company Every single penny matters. You have to have that frugal mentality. You can't go out and buy t-shirts with your brand on them. You, you have to figure out, hey, how am I investing back into this? And the best way to invest back in your company is with people. If you hire a freelancer to build your website, if you hire a VA for the mornings or to write sales emails and do lead generation, you don't have to go out and hire a 20 person team, but you have to figure out how to reinvest small in, small increments back into your business so that you can focus on high-end tasks. And it, it's all about lead gen. It's all about getting um, a really solid initial customer base that you treat like gold. Um, if, if your initial customers are not happy and won't spread the word about you, you're going to have a big uphill battle. So a lot of it has to do with customer service and reinvesting at the right time with the right people. Right. Interesting. Um, so, and, and I guess at this point you have, um, so how long has FreeUp been in operation now? FreeUp has been in operation for three years. We did a million dollars in the first year, $5 million last year. And right now our run rate is between seven and eight million. So how did you get to the million dollars in the first year? Cause I can imagine, I mean, you have Fiverr, Upwork, you have all these platforms out there that do freelance, um, you know, connections for people. And so there's obviously, it, it, it's a lucrative, I guess, space, um, which is validated. But in your first year, you have to find the audience. So how do you get the visibility and the audience? Did you do paid marketing? What were some of the steps you took to get that, that million dollars? Yeah, you're right. It's a very crowded space. And I mean, the first reaction when we started was, oh, great, another VA company, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> But we, we differentiate ourselves pretty quick. So we have the vetting and the speed on the front end where people can put in a request and um, get a worker within 24 hours, usually faster. Then we have the great 24-7 customer support on the back end 
plus a no turnover guarantee if they quit, we cover replacement costs. So that we had our differentiator and we went out to different Amazon communities and we said, hey, I'm an Amazon seller. I have this Rolodex of freelancers, try us out. And the feedback, whenever you start a company, you never know what the initial feedback is gonna be like, but it was very positive. So with those initial people, we set up a referral program that has taken off. Any clients you refer to us, you get 50 cents for every hour that we build to them forever. And people love this. So they started telling other people in the Amazon space. And within the first year, I think we paid out over $70,000 in referral money. Um, so people were really spreading the word about FreeUp because they had a good experience. And we made sure of it. And if anything went wrong, we made it right quick um, and made sure their business never took a step backward. So we did very little paid marketing, all, all organic. Um, actually, in the first year, I don't think we did any paid marketing. Even now, um, we do a few thousand dollars a month in paid marketing, nothing crazy. But the referral program has blown up. Um, reviews and testimonials are huge. Um, we focus on different audiences that we can help. We, we try to partner with influencers, podcasts, people that can get in front of business owners that have this need, that have to hire and that really don't have the time to go on these other marketplaces and, and spend two weeks trying to find a VA that they need for five hours. It just didn't make sense. So we did it all organically, all for building partnerships, treating people well, and building a, a solid reputation in the e-commerce industry. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I, I mean, so those differentiations are important. And I, you're not the first person that I hear had great success with a referral program. I'm curious to dive into that a little bit more. Um, you know, so is this a specific program using like referral software, like that kind of a referral program, kind of like an ambassador program? Um, no, so we we build our own software. <laughs> my my personal thing with software is every time I buy someone else's software, it does eighty percent of what I want, and I can never get that last twenty percent. So <laughs> I I always end up buying it, using it, and then trashing it and building it myself. So now nowadays I just start off building it myself. So what what was the structure of your referral program? Sure. So we have think of a marketplace model. We've got clients, we've got freelancers, and then you've got the the software that holds it all together. So we call it our time clock. The clients have an account, the freelancers have an account. All the billing is through there, and, and the software will automatically link accounts. So you can get an affiliate link um, if you introduce someone to us. We can do it on the back end, so you still get credit for it, and we can always backdate it as well. Um, but the software keeps track. Hey, if Adam recommends Bob, every hour that Bob bills, Adam gets fifty cents taken off his next invoice. And if two weeks go by and he doesn't have an invoice, we automatically pay it out to their PayPal account. So that, that's really how we built the software. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So I'm always interested in software development. And so, you know, obviously you, you've done uh, a few things here in that space. And I, so I guess I'm curious, and I think a lot of people are, because for example, I, I love the idea of software because one, if you can find a team that can develop it in, in an affordable way, you can create something um, that gives you continuity. So something that can be ongoing and part of the process, and you could do it the way that you want to do it. So if somebody came to Change Creators website and we had a software that was a tool to help them as an entrepreneur, this this would tie them in with an ongoing experience that they leverage, right? And so you have built this free up platform and you have a referral program, which I think is brilliant, uh, baked into it. That's really smart. And that's probably, I guess, is a huge part factor towards your success in the first year and, and ongoing. Um, the bigger question is, though, how does someone approach building software? <laughs> you know? 
Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I mean, so dealing with developers is always a challenge. The main reason is because they speak developer language, which is very different than business language. And, and I don't speak developer language. So the biggest thing for me that I've learned with dealing with developers is I assume nothing. I assume that they don't understand the business. I assume that every little detail that I want in the software, I have to say it and I have to get it in writing and I have to repeat it at some point. Um, or it's not gonna get done exactly how we want it. And I also take whatever estimates they give me and just double it based on my experience because that's <laughs> usually how it works out. Um, you, you always have revisions, you have new ideas that come up, you have something that was lost in translation. So, I mean, with dealing with developers, it, I always have a meeting where I go through exactly what I want. I usually ask them to repeat it back to me and I continue to enforce exactly what it is. And then when they send it back, I give feedback and, and make get another revision going. And, I only work with people that can take my feedback where I don't have to repeat myself many, many times. So when you find a good developer, build a relationship with them because they're very hard to find and you want someone reliable on your side that can take the business side of it and turn it into the dev side of it. And now can can people listening here, uh, you know, these entrepreneurs, can they find good developers on FreeUp? Absolutely. I mean, we, we offer developers to hundreds if not thousands of clients around the world and we spend a lot of time vetting these people. Um, I mentioned the skill, attitude, and communication. With developers, we spend a little extra time on the communication vetting because we know how important that is. Right, right, right. And I guess, I'm, you know, because I was, it's interesting because uh, we interviewed Russell Brunson. I don't know if you know him. Um, of course. He's a marketer and stuff. And so one of the things he said, he's like, you wouldn't believe it. He goes, but you can actually, because he was talking about like a mo like a system model, right, to consider for running a business. And as he talked about software development, obviously he made ClickFunnels and things like that. He's like, you can literally get a simple software program built today for just hundreds of dollars if you can get the right developer. You know, it could be overseas or whatever it is. Um, do you find truth in that that you can get software developed for that kind of t uh, cost? I mean, it totally depends on the software. My mindset is I never actually know what's a big project and what's a small project until I talk it out with the developer because sometimes I'll think something's very complex. Um, for example, we're adding some fixed price software to, to Time Clock. And in my mind, we've been doing hourly for three years. This is a big project. But I talked to the developer and he says, oh, we've already kind of had this system in place. All you have to do is X, Y, Z. It's a lot smaller than you think, mm. but vice versa. When I want to do the affiliate program, in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, it's pretty easy. For 50 cents, we add it to this person's account. Like Everything's already built. It shouldn't take that long. But they're saying, okay, you know what? This is a whole other development. It's going to take a long time because of X, Y, Z. So a lot of times, from if you're a business person like me that doesn't really understand the, the coding side of it, you don't really know what's considered a small, medium, or big project until you actually talk it out or maybe even get a second or third opinion from different developers. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, I guess you just got to reach out and start having those conversations and see what people say. I think, you know, it's daunting for a lot of, um, you know, new entrepreneurs to consider software because they feel like, well, that's going to cost me, you know, $50,000, which I don't have. But it seems today that that may not be the case. Yeah, I mean, it really depends uh, on the software that you're building. It depends on the developer. Um, you've got you've got 
the developers always say this. I don't even know if I agree with it, but there's a triangle. You've got you got cost, you got speed, and you got quality, and you can always get two out of the three, and unless you want to pay top dollar for for everyone, so you have to decide: do you care about the speed, do you care about the quality, or do you care about the price? Um, and, and and kind of figuring out what kind of developer you're looking for. Gotcha, gotcha. So let's shift gears just a little bit and. Um you mentioned to me, um, you know, when we when we originally uh, communicated, uh, the, you, t- you talk about five steps to outsourcing uh, your business. Now we might have touched on some of that, but I wanted to to hit that because I here's the thing. So a lot of people who are starting their businesses, um, like I said, the finances are always a struggle. And I agree, you've got to work on the business and let other people do the detailed work, you know, setting things up, building out or designing your website, all those things. Um, but a lot of the bootstrappers get tied into that in order to save money. So I guess I'm curious to hear your thoughts on those five steps and what those are that you would want to share with people. Definitely. So step one is figure out what you're trying to outsource. Create a list of everything you do on a day-to-day basis uh, and prioritize it from easiest to hardest and start with those easy things. Or if you want to go more advanced, create a list of everything that you're not good at. And so you can start hiring to turn those weaknesses into strengths. Step two is to figure out what your perfect VA looks like. Is it US? Is it non-US? What kind of hours, what kind of availability, what kind of background or skill set, are you going to be showing them your process or do you want them to bring their own expertise to the table? Um, Do they need to be able to talk voice or or is text okay? Every little detail about what your perfect person looks like. So once you figure out what you want to take off your plate and you've identified that, that perfect person, if you're using FreeUp, you put in a worker request. If you're using another um, marketplace, you post the job and you interview people. And the interviews, you're looking for that skill, attitude, and communication. You want them to have the skill that you need, the, the passion and the attitude of positivity that you'll actually enjoy working with them and they care about what they do, not just for the paycheck. Yeah. But also have that communication where they can hit due dates, they can hit estimates. You don't have to chase them down. They're, they're not going to disappear. So step three is interviewing people for those three things and identifying what that fit is. After you've done the interview and you start to, and you decide who you want to work with, the next step is setting expectations right from the beginning. And this is what everyone misses. They interview someone and they think they're going to be good. Boom. Here's the project. Talk to you in a week. Right. They, they don't go out of their way to set expectations. Hey, here's who you talk to for what? Hey, this is how we communicate. These are my pet peeves. This is what we're going to do first. Really getting 100% on the same page. And if you check out the free up blog, we have a free document called the client expectations doc. And it's a great way to just get on the same page with someone mm. right from the beginning. Interesting. And then, sorry, do you uh, want to say something? No, no. Yeah, I'm just going to, the last step is, the feedback loop. Yeah. A lot of people, they get frustrated when someone doesn't do exactly what they want right from the beginning, and you have to keep in mind that they have worked with other clients. So once you've worked with them, you give them a test project, give them feedback. Make sure that there's someone that can take feedback. I don't work with people that take feedback personally and can't make adjustments based on that feedback. So give them feedback, tell them what they're doing well, what they're doing not well, what you want them to change going forward, and that is the process that you follow to make some really great hires. 
Yeah, that all makes good sense. And I always found, too, the interviewing, like a lot of times people will go on Upwork and be like, well, you know, eh, there's not a lot of good talent. I guess this applies to any any uh, freelancer platform. And I would always say, well, did you ask like qualifying questions or interview them? And nine times out of ten, they haven't. They just, you know, go through, post a, a work, uh, a job, uh, and then they get whoever looks good and they hire them. But they're not actually qualifying the person in some way. So when you go on free up, I guess there's an interviewing process. And is there an ability to qualify people like, oh, have you worked in, you know, have you designed magazines before? Like, you know, stuff like that to see um, if they have experience in certain areas or can qualify for your job. Yeah. So, I mean, you put it, we've already pre-vetted these people. We reject 99 out of every hundred applicants we get. And once they're into the marketplace, you put in a request, we introduce you to one to three people. You can interview them. You can ask for samples. You can do whatever you want to make sure they're the right fit for you because even the best VAs in the world aren't the best fit for every single client in the world. And once you eat, once you meet with them and you decide if you like them or not, you either click hire and you're good to go or you click pass and you can provide us feedback and we'll get you some other options based on that feedback. So it's a very fast and efficient process. Cool. Cool. Yeah. So there's a, a I guess a little segue there. Um, we were, we were kind of talking about the outsourcing, the five steps for outsourcing. Why don't we touch on the, the most common tasks that you are aware of to take off your plate first. So you're, you're starting your business, everybody gets overwhelmed. Um, you mentioned some ideas on how to start thinking about it, prioritizing things. Um, but you did mention uh, that there's these 10 most common tasks. So I'd, I'd like to hear some of your thoughts on what those are. Yeah. So, I mean, in terms of tasks, the, the thing that I try to get off my plate is customer service. If you're still, if you're running an e-commerce business or, or software business, if you're still on the day-to-day operations of doing customer service, you have to get that off your plate. It's not gonna grow your business. You need to come up with a good system and then give it off to other people. Bookkeeping is another one because if you're like me, you're probably not qualified and you're not a very good bookkeeper. And if you're spending your time doing the bookkeeping, not a good use of your time. Um, It's one of the things that I wished I had outsourced uh, a long time ago. After that would be followed with graph design um, and web development. I mean, we talked about software, but there's also just building your WordPress site. If that's not your skill set, if that's not your core competency, you have to hire other people to do it. Next would be any kind of content and writing. I mean, if you're a great writer, if that's your core competency, great. But for the majority of us business owners, that's not where we should be spending our time. So whether it's writing for your blog or writing converting content for Facebook ads, Get someone who's a talented writer who can make you and your brand look good and execute it at a high level. So those are the five that I would start with. Um, If you want to go more advanced and you're kind of deeper into your business, any type of advertising, whether it's PPC on Amazon, on Facebook, on Google, um, is a great place to start. Any kind of data entry work, um, we, we all have that in our business, whether it's um, lead generation or, or if you're trying to go through suppliers or, or going through a list of clients to, to grab reports, um, th- that's a fantastic thing to stop doing and it's relatively affordable um, to stop doing it. Right. And so the, I would start with those things. If, right. if, you, if you're still stuck in your business, those are the things that I would start with to get off your plate. I mean, if you go to freeup.com, there's over 85 different skills that you can hire people for. Um, a lot of it depends on your business and exactly what you're doing, but, but I would start with those things. 
Great, great. So I guess just a couple more things if you have a few minutes and uh, we'll wrap this up so I can be respectful of your time. Um, I am curious to understand a little bit more about some of the bigger, like what was your biggest failure, I guess, as you were trying to work out these, these, both of these businesses? Sure. So my biggest failure when I was in year three of my Amazon business, I I had built this relationship with this one supplier and I was doing the majority of my business with them. I had hired this person to be my manager of the day um, and I taught him to do everything. I trained him for six months. He he would run every team. Yes, I had other people, but he was the guy who made sure everything would would work. Um, And so I took my first vacation. I'm sorry, this was year 1.5. It wasn't year three. So I, I was pretty young. And I decided to take my first vacation in a while and I left the business in his hands. And on day one of that vacation, it was in Myrtle Beach, and I get a call saying that the supplier no longer wanted to work with me anymore. So I was pretty devastated. Then I get another call saying that the manager of the day wanted to focus on school and could no longer um, commit to to Portlight. And so all that training was out the drain. And then just to top it off, I get a call from my accountant saying that my identity had been stolen and someone had filed a fake tax return in my name. (laughs) So so I went from this unbelievable high to boom, I'm an entrepreneur, I did a million dollars, I'm making more money than, than I should at this age, to wow, everything I just worked for is gone, essentially. So I learned a very valuable lesson about diversity and diversifying and not putting all my eggs in one basket. So when I got back from that vacation, I was really focused on not making that mistake again. So I went out of my way to get as many suppliers as possible to departmentalize in my hiring and only hire one person for or hire different people for every team. So if someone quit or the supplier dropped me, I, I had backup plans. And within six months, and it took a lot of work, we were more profitable, but also more diverse and protected than, than we'd ever been before. And I'm really happy I learned that lesson in year one and two, not, not in year four, five, and six. Yeah, seriously. That's that's interesting. Wow. And I guess my last question would be, what would you say is your number one entrepreneurial strength that is helping you succeed in these businesses? Man, it's all about problem solving. When, when you're a business owner, every day there, something's going to go on, whether it's big or it's small or it's a new competitor or something changes in the industry or um, someone quits, whatever it is, you have to be able to problem solve. And the entrepreneurs that have the most success are the ones that can do it quickly. They, they not only gather all the information, but they execute a good plan every time. And then they put steps in place to prevent those things from happening again. And, and those are the main things that um, I think that's what separates to me as an entrepreneur is I can problem solve quickly at a high level and we don't we don't make the same mistake twice often awesome well I think we're gonna wrap up here so why don't we just uh, give yourself a chance here to do a shout out how do people find you how do they get involved with free up um, all that good stuff yeah so if you go to freeup.com with three e's right on the website you can create a free account there's no sign up fee no monthly fee no minimums you can stop using us at any time it's in our best interest to get you freelancers you actually like and the cool thing is my calendar is right on the site if you want to meet with me about your business about how free up can help you book a time with me i'd love to talk to you about your business and anyone that mentions this podcast or or adam's name gets a dollar off their first workers hourly rate forever so definitely check this out and i want to do everything i can to help you hire great people for your business sounds awesome appreciate your time nathan and all the incredible work uh that you're doing uh really good stuff man 
Thanks, Adam. Have a great rest of the day. Yeah, you too. That's all for this episode. Your next step is to join the change creator revolution by downloading our interactive digital magazine app for premium content, exclusive interviews, and more ways to stay on top of your game. Available now on iTunes and Google Play or visit changecreatormag.com. We'll see you next time where money and meaning intersect right here at the Change Creator Podcast. Thank <laughs> you.